Driven mofos, I wanted to mention something that means a lot to me. When I was younger, everyone doubted me and their doubts became my doubts. Their fears festered inside my mind and I hated myself as I knew I could do so much more in life. I just didn't know where to start and failure would reinforce what a loser I already believed I was. If it wasn't for listening to audios just like this, which I spent tens of thousands of dollars on, I would have probably ended it all. I know that there are so many people out there who feel this way and are holding themselves back from greatness. So if I could ask just one favor today, it would be that you share this podcast with just one person as it may make all the difference and start them on a new path. So after watching 100 hours of Andrew Tate clips and interviews, here's what I learned about him in an unbiased way. And these are some of my takeaways. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I talk about the many lessons, learnings, and tools that I've learned along my journey from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to rich listers, successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, and more, all while running business and personal performance events for tens of thousands of people who want to get the best out of themselves and their lives. This is my way of helping more people to excel in life, build successful empires, and be the best that they can be. I hope you share and enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the controversial figure, Andrew Tate. If you don't know who he is, he was one of the most searched people, I guess, on the planet on Google. He's quite controversial in his topics and in what he talks about. But here's what I learned from him in an unbiased way, both good and not so good, and some things that you can learn from a highly controversial figure that didn't necessarily create controversy for any bad reasons. Maybe there were some, maybe there weren't. But these are the things that I learned just from watching a lot of his content. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Let's get into some of these key things that I've learned from watching 100 hours worth of Andrew Tate content to see what he did well, what he didn't do too well, what are some of the things that I picked up. Obviously, he's a quite controversial figure if you know who he is. He's currently locked up in jail, supposedly on human traffic charges or based on allegations, whether that's true or not. I've seen no evidence of that currently, but he is in prison for those accusations, whether they are true or not, and whether they have government affiliations. There are a few governments around the world that are obviously trying to take him down. So whether it is a situation where he's been framed or not, no one really knows. But anyway, aside from that, here's what I learned and here are some of the key things. So number one was you can only push social boundaries so far before you'll be attacked. Now, as a society, we progress at a certain speed and at a certain frame, I guess. So if you're out there saying really controversial shit, whether it's true or not, society as a whole may not be ready for it. And if they're not ready for it, they will attack you and bring you down. Now, this happens in a lot of different fields. You know, when certain figures come out, say in the scientific community, and they disagree with the agenda or the narrative of the scientific community that's currently there, they will be attacked. Now, this can happen in any industry. It happens in childcare. It happens in schooling. It happens in university. If you push the boundaries too far, you will be attacked and brought down by those large institutions. That's because most people can't handle change. Most people like predictability. They like comfort. They like knowing what they know. And if you're pushing the boundaries too far, it upsets people so much that they will do what they need to do in order to try to bring you down. Whether it's false accusations, whether it's lying, whether it's manipulation, whether it's banding together with other groups of people in order to try and attack you and bring you down, these things happen. And what I saw was based on the content that's out there, this is what it seemed was happening, where he had a few controversial ideas, people picked up on those few controversial ideas, and they attacked him. Now, some of those ideas may have been a little bit one-sided, but at the same time, he had also brought up some really good things that that same side that were offended by couldn't see past. They just 
kept attacking him and attacking him and attacking him because of things that had triggered them. That was my number one learning. Number two was unintelligent people will always take intelligent information and distort it to suit their level of thinking. So no matter how intelligent you are, if you give intelligent information to a bunch of idiots, they will turn that into something idiotic. And this happens every day in the media. It happens every day just in our society. Someone can say something highly intelligent and it can be made as something controversial just by bending the truth. And the media do this very, very well. They will take something and they will just bend it, especially tabloids and all of those types of things. But that's what they get paid to do. When you look at what the media is, is it's essentially a marketing machine that sells advertising. And so the more people who look at it, the more people who view it, the more money they make. And so they're essentially doing their job by lying to people, by bending information or twisting the narrative in order to get eyeballs. That's what they do. So my second learning was that unintelligent people will always take intelligent information and distort it to suit their level of thinking. This is why you've got to be careful with the type of information that you give to different individuals. I know throughout the years, there are certain things that I will talk about in public and there are certain things that I will talk about in events and there are certain things that I'll talk about in private. Why? Because certain people aren't ready to hear certain things. So I'm just very cautious about the information that I put out there. Not always, sometimes I push the boundaries, but I know those boundaries and how far I can push them before it starts to really cause a problem. Now, if you come to Thrive Time, Thrive Time will open up your mind to think quite differently. So I can tend to push boundaries a little bit more in that event because people are more open to thinking differently. Whereas with the general public, if you haven't been to those events and you're not as open-minded as some other people in the community, then you're gonna be triggered by certain things that I say. I am cautious that the deeper you go into our pipeline of events, the more I can talk about really tough stuff that challenges most people's thinking. But that's because I know that you'll be ready for a depth of information that most other people can't handle. So just be careful with what you talk about in the general public. Number three was intent and context doesn't matter if someone doesn't like you. If your intention is not to offend somebody, but someone takes offense to it, it doesn't matter what you say after that because they're offended. And so it really doesn't matter if you intend to offend someone or if you've got the right context, it doesn't matter. Because if someone doesn't like you, they will find a way to dislike you. And people do this all the time on social media where they will grab information or something that they see or hear. They will form an opinion about someone without doing any research or even looking up intelligent information and they will bend it and distort it to whatever their insecurities are or whatever wounds that they have. So I saw this in some of the interviews where people were going around and they would say to people, what don't you like about Andrew Tate? And they would say, well, he's a misogynist, he's sexist, he's disgusting. And they would say, okay, so what have you watched of his? And they would go blank. They wouldn't have an answer because they hadn't seen anything. They'd just heard it from other people and other sources. I found that this was quite important because again, intent and context doesn't matter if you don't like someone. That's a challenge, I guess, with negotiation and dealing with people. If they don't like you or they don't know you or they don't know, like, and trust you, then they're probably not going to do business with you. But they'll also, if they dislike you, they will look for reasons to dislike you. So they will go and find things to dislike you. This happened only recently with Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is one of the most influential people on the planet, I guess you could say. He has the biggest YouTube channel on the planet and he's one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. I can't remember what it was, but he donated a whole heap of money that gave, I think it was like 100 people eyesight where they were blind and he paid for the, all their surgery and stuff like that. Well, the media grabbed hold of that and made it out as though he was this bad guy and he was just using the money for clout. But at the end of the day, if someone's blind and now they can see, they're fucking stoked. But it was just that for whatever reason, they just bent that to their agenda and he must have just upset people. And if someone doesn't like you, they will find information to back up why they don't like you. 
Now, this has been seen over time where people go back five or 10 years on someone's Twitter account and find something that they can label as sexist or racist or misogynistic, or they did it with Joe Rogan. They went back years and years and years, over a decade to find you know certain clips or certain bits of information where they could label him as something to try to bring him down. But that's stupid. I mean, there is definitely a lot of dumb shit that I've done over the years. And if someone went back, they could easily find information to prove that I was a fucking prick or, you know, whatever. People change. But unfortunately, our society at the moment expects that we all should walk on water and that we should never make mistakes, which is just absolutely ludicrous. And any intelligent person knows that we've all made mistakes and they can see that within themselves. So they understand that 10 years ago, Joe Rogan 10 years ago isn't Joe Rogan now. And what he said 10 years ago is not relevant to who he is today. That stuff happens when someone doesn't like you. They'll go back and they'll find information. They'll try to dig shit up in order to prove their hate or their dislike for you. So that was number three. Being provocative may get you attention, but it may also destroy the intention of your cause. So Andrew Tate talks a lot about empowering young men. And so he goes into talking a lot about how he's helping to empower young men. And I could see that in his content, that he wanted to help young men, keep them empowered. He's pushing a masculine agenda, saying that there's nothing wrong with being masculine. There's nothing wrong with being a male. Now there is this other narrative as well in our society, which is that men are responsible for every fucking wrongdoing on the planet, especially if you're a white male. This agenda is being pushed, I guess, by socialist ideals or whatever. So he's out there doing a good thing, I think, for young men. But the problem is, is that he tends to push the agenda a little bit too far to get attention. And he will say things that are provocative, which then destroys his initial message of that I'm out here helping young men. So I guess there's a very fine line between getting enough attention to get your message out there, but pushing the attention too far to just get attention, which is too provocative, and then causes a whole bunch of problems with the message. It distorts the message and the cause. Here's the next one. If you use the media for your own agenda, they will use your agenda for their agenda. So I'll say that again. If you use the media for your own agenda, they will use you for their agenda. And so the media, essentially, he used the media to get a lot of attention, but the media flipped it back on him and used it for their own agenda. And so now there's this, I guess, battle of media superpowers where you've got someone who is one of the most famous people on the planet or the most Google search person on the planet attacking the media, and then the media trying to flip his narrative on him to try to take him down. Social media is a great place to share great info and a powerful message. It is also a place to share trash, deceptive messaging, and poorly researched and understood info. And I could see this on both sides. There were certain things that he said that were very provocative and that pushed a certain narrative and weren't really well researched. His point was potentially correct in some of the things that he said. But because he didn't have the data to back it up, it sort of sounded like it was just his opinion or his view, which then was taken and blown out of context. But I also noticed that the media were doing exactly the same thing, where they were going in, taking information that he said, flipping it, blowing it out of context, and they were also using that against him. Then there was all other narratives as well, and all these subgroups and subcultures and all of that sort of stuff who were both doing exactly the same thing. There are a bunch of male groups or young men groups who thought the sun shone out his bum. Then on the other side, there are a whole bunch of, I guess you could say, left-wing, feminist, socialist groups that were all there attacking him. And from what I saw when they were interviewed, most of them have actually never did their research on him. They just heard it from the groups of people around them, or it was through a third party or a fourth party or a fifth party. And so they just made their assumptions on this information. So once again, social media is a great place to share great info and a powerful message. It is also a place to share trash, 
deceptive messaging, and poorly researched and understood info. So we really have to understand that there are a lot of lies on social media, and I think the younger generation are becoming more aware of this. I read research only recently that said that most millennials onwards realize that social media is fake. And what they see is just fake, which I find that really, really interesting considering they're on this fake site so much that they're engaged in so much, which is changing and altering their mental health and affecting them personally. But at the same time, they know that it's all bullshit. So our society is quite used to right now being in a world of just lies where you can make up whatever you want. I see it in the coaching industry all the time. People that have never coached anyone saying that they're the greatest coaches ever. There are people out there saying that they're amazing business coaches that have never run a business. There are people out there who also go on to university degrees who become business advisors that have never had a business also. So, I, you know, maybe this has been around for a lot longer than what we think. There are definitely people who work in healthcare that are unhealthy. I don't know. There's just this over-exaggeration that tends to happen on social media. But anyway, the next one that I got was once you start getting media attention, a lot of people will write off your name for their own self-interest. So if you go and search on YouTube and type in his name, Andrew Tate, there are all these people out there who have, you know, they're talking about Andrew Tate and they're using it for clout to build their own audiences. So this one I think is really important because it happens to so many celebrities. And that is that once you start getting media attention, a lot of people will write off your name for their own self-interest. Next is anything you say will be blown out of context. So if you're a politician, anything you say is going to be blown out of context. If you're in the media a lot, anything you say will be blown out of context. There is also celebrities. Anything you say could be blown out of context. So you just have to be very, very careful with how you use your languaging. Jordan Peterson is a great example of this because he is very thoughtful in the languaging he uses, but it gets blown out of context. Also, there is misinterpretations, misrepresentations, and so on. Does he slip up from time to time? Probably. There is definitely some things that I guess you could say are debatable, but he is very careful with his languaging and his wording, and people still attack him and blow stuff out of proportion. The next one is that people will say things they have limited data or information on, yet use the information like they are 100% certain that it's true. So this one is important. He talks quite a lot about the matrix and he says things like, you know, the matrix are attacking me. Now I know he's talking about these people in the shadows that potentially run governments that run the global economy and so on. And he keeps using this term, the matrix. And now I'm seeing it pop up more and more and more. Now the term matrix has been around for years. I remember back in the day, a lot of people that I used to hang around would talk about the matrix. And we're talking like 10 or 15 years ago, 10, 12, 13 years ago. But I guess he made it very prominent where now people are using this term all the time. It's the matrix. The matrix are controlling all humans. The matrix are controlling Twitter. The matrix are controlling the banks. But the question is, no one really asks a question like, who the fuck is the matrix? It's great to say that label, but who is it? Specifically name them. And the thing is that they can't because they don't know who it is. Yet they treat it as though it's real information. And I'm hearing it so much on TikTok, on YouTube, where people are talking about this thing, the matrix. You know, the matrix is shutting us down. Well, who are the matrix? If you can't explain who they are and specifically what they're doing and how they're doing, then it's just making stuff up. It's like saying it's the boogeyman. I'm seeing a lot of that happen, but I guess he used that term quite a lot. And then now people just writing off of that term without even really thinking about it. The next one is the media don't share the truth. They share their agenda. That is so important if you're someone who watches the news, if you read the newspaper, if you look at articles on Facebook, please understand that the media don't share the truth, they share their agenda. Humans cannot see the truth beyond their triggers. Now, I love writing that. When I wrote it, I was like, fuck, that is so true. That humans cannot see the truth beyond their triggers. If you're triggered by something, you can't see the truth because your trigger will distort whatever that truth is. And that's why if someone doesn't like you and they're triggered by you, no matter what you say, it won't make any difference because they'll be triggered. 
If someone doesn't like a certain race of people, no matter what you say, they're not going to change the fact that they dislike a race. If certain people don't like an agenda, no matter what you say, they will not like that gender because they just are triggered by it. If you work on your triggers, you will see more of the truth out there. If you don't work on your triggers, you'll be triggered by it and it will distort the truth. That's just how the brain works. I talk a lot about this in some of my more advanced events. You know, our triggers are our triggers. It's got nothing to do with our past. Well, it does because it creates the trigger. But the fact that it keeps getting set off, that's not what's going on out around you most of the time. It's just the fact that you have these associations with certain triggers that then re-trigger you. So certain people get put into situations and they'll get anxiety. Certain people get put into certain situations, they'll just get stressed. It's not so much the situation, it's just the past reference that they have that has now created a neuro association within their brain. And that association becomes a trigger. So every time something happens or, you know, certain people say things like, I'll give you an example. When I was younger, I used to get triggered by the word red because as a child, I used to get picked on quite a lot for being a redhead and I had bright red hair and freckles. So kids would pick on me all the time and call me redhead, ranger, fire engine head. And so I would get picked on all the time with these labels. And so I remember one day, this kid at school, I just heard the word red and I picked up a chair and threw it across the classroom at him and I got kicked out of class. But later on, I found out that he just asked for a red pen. But I was so triggered by that because I got picked on so much that anytime I heard the word red, I just got triggered by it. And this happens in our society by people who, you know, say you can't use the word black. You know, these days you can't sing bar bar black sheep because it's racist. And so now they kids sing bar bar rainbow sheep. Now there's no such thing as a fucking rainbow sheep, but they have to sing it because you can't use the word black because it's racist. Now that there is a bunch of people that are triggered by the word black. Now, if they don't work through that, no matter what happens, like if you're in the parking lot and someone says, what color is your car? And you say black, and then they get triggered by it. That's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with their associations on the past that they haven't worked through. So this is why it is really important to dig up our triggers and work through them because the more that you do that, the more you see things as they are, not how you distort things, which then make you reactive. And remember, when intelligence is high, emotion is governed. But when emotions are high, intelligence is low because we use different parts of the brain. When we're emotional, we drop into more of the flight, fight and freeze response, which essentially we turn back into an animal. We just become reactive. Whereas when we're more logical, we can think through things and see things for what they are. So if you want to see the truth or you want to have more wisdom in your life, you're better off working through and dealing with those triggers. So just remember that humans cannot see the truth beyond their triggers. Real quick, driven mofos, you know I don't run any advertising or sell anyone else's shit on this podcast. So the only thing that I'll ever ask from you is that you help me get this podcast out to more people and spread the word by rating and reviewing this podcast. I promise it will only take 10 seconds, so please rate and review if you haven't already done so. And thank you in advance. Next, humans actively seek out info to back up their beliefs, no matter how incorrect or conflicted they are. And this is called a confirmation bias. So what we believe to be true, we will find reasons to back that up. Now, whether it's certain belief around religions, people, color, race, sex, you will find reasons to back up what you believe to be true already because it creates a confirmation bias where you want to stay consistent with your beliefs. And people do this every day of the week. Every day of the week, they'll say things like, there is no money in the economy. I hear this all the time from business owners. There's no money in the economy. All right, motherfucker, there's trillions of dollars that have just been exchanged all around the world today. And there's no money. Oh, well, you know, it's just, okay, here's the truth. Your brain is wired in a certain way where you can't see money that's right in front of you. Why? Because that's your belief. The more you keep reinforcing that, the more it's going to keep happening. You know, I hear things like, you know, there are no good men out there. Well, there's no good men because you can't fucking find them. You can't find them because they're right in front of you and you can't see them. When they're standing in front of you, you call them friends 
and then some douchebag comes along and now you start dating that douchebag because that's what you're attracted to. You're attracted to douchebags. Why? Because it backs up the belief that there are no good men out there. And so you know that you're going to get hurt. You know that the same thing's going to happen. So unless you change those beliefs and you change those confirmation biases, you just keep reconfirming the world you believe to be true. Whether it's money, whether it's attention, whether it's about whatever you're attracted to, whether it's relationships, whether it's family, whether it's friends, well, essentially a belief is a gross generalization. So anytime someone uses the word I or I am or they are, he is, she is, money is, these are generalizations and we generalize about those things. Those generalizations either work for you or they work against you. If you don't have the money you want, it's not that the money's not out there. It's just that you don't know how to wire your brain to get money. If you're not in a relationship and you want a relationship, it's just that you don't know how to wire your brain to get the relationship you want. Why? It's probably based on confirmation biases and beliefs. So these are things that a person will need to work through if they want to keep evolving and breaking those confirmation biases to be able to get what they want. All right, next one. People with similar beliefs band together and share info to support their own beliefs. So what you saw was on Andrew Tate's side, there are a lot of people out there sharing his information, saying, look at this, look how these idiots are distorting his information. And they were on his side. They would find anytime someone would bring up something that he said, they would counter it with something else because they believed in him and they were on his side. Then there was a whole other side that were pretty much looking for anything that he did wrong, whether he would say something wrong, or whether he would breathe wrong, or whether he would walk wrong. They would attack him for multiple different reasons and band together with people who had similar beliefs and similar biases. People with similar beliefs will band together and share info to support their own beliefs. The next one is intelligent people challenge their beliefs and actively research opposing arguments. Unintelligent people just reinforce their beliefs and then get emotional and reactive when those beliefs are actively challenged. So this here happens quite a lot, especially in academic fields. If you challenge something, and this happened during the vaccine, you know, the whole vaccine pandemic thing, I've got to be careful. During a certain jab jab thing that happened, you had two sides that were very heavily biased. You had the jab jab side where they thought that everyone could be saved if everyone had this thing. And then the other side that said that it was a conspiracy and that there was all this misinformation when we weren't being told the truth. The real truth is somewhere in between those two lines. It's just that the more bias one side gets, the more bias the other side gets. The more stupid one side gets, the more stupid the other side gets because they try to counter each other. And so intelligent people challenge their own beliefs. The good medical doctors that I knew looked at both sides. They looked at the benefits and how it could help people and also how it would affect people in a negative way. And so when I had conversations with them, they would sit down and say, well, here's what we've come up with. Here is one side of the argument. Here's the other side of the argument. This is what we believe to be true based on the data that's available at the moment and based on both sides. And so they were quite intelligent. Then there were other friends that I had and other practitioners and therapists and medical doctors who were completely on the other side of that no one should have it, that it's untested and so on. And so they were quite reactive. And then there was another side of practitioners and therapists and medical doctors who were on the other side that said, everyone has to have it. You know, this thing's going to save everybody. You're crazy if you don't have it. You're going to kill people if you don't have it. And so you could see that there were two sides of highly reactive people and the intelligent ones were somewhere in the middle that were trying to navigate sort of both sides and try to find information, which they found quite hard because both sides lied their fucking teeth out because of the confirmation biases that they had and they wanted to push an agenda and both sides were pushing an agenda. So I'm going to say that again, that intelligent people challenge their beliefs and actively research opposing arguments. So the day that you can go and look at something that you believe to be true and then go and find the opposing arguments and find out where that's not true 
and you can challenge yourself on that in a way where you're not reactive, that shows how intelligent you are. If you're somebody who just keeps researching what you believe to be true, then all you're doing is you're reconfirming biases that you currently have. Science is supposed to be a place where you try to disprove what you believe. Real quality science is essentially saying, I believe this, but I'm going to go out there and try and find data and evidence to prove me wrong. And if you can't prove yourself wrong by challenging yourself, then you know that it's probably true. But that's not normally how science works these days. It's normally just having a theory and then trying to prove that theory correct and then arguing anything that counterbalances that. But there are still some highly intelligent scientists out there and there are still intelligent people out there. It's just that they're rare because a lot of people don't like to have their beliefs challenged. Anyway, let's get on to the next one. Lifestyle sells easy and hard work doesn't, yet hard work gets the lifestyle. So I'll say that again. Lifestyle sells and hard work doesn't, yet hard work gets the lifestyle. So what I found was when you're looking at Andrew Tate, he has spent years and years and years and years documenting, learning, growing, and then all of a sudden he has this fame and people want to be like him. So these young kids, they want to have the Bugattis and they want to have the nice cars and they want to have this life and they want to have the beautiful women. And now he's selling to them a quick fix. Here's how you can make it all happen really, really quickly. And if you just follow me, I'll give you the answer. But what I found was that there were also a lot of people criticizing him because they said, we signed up for the course and essentially we didn't get rich in like two months or we didn't get this lifestyle that he's promoting. Now that's obvious that it's going to take hard work, but most people didn't want that. Most people who were buying his courses were sold a fantasy and they expected a fantasy. And so when it didn't work, then he got criticized for it. So lifestyle sells, but hard work doesn't. Yet the hard work gets the lifestyle. I've got a couple more that I'm going to keep going through. So oppression is not a justification for oppression. What I saw was that there was a lot of feminist groups attacking him and saying, well, it's because you're essentially a piece of shit male. And because you're a piece of shit male, then, you know, we have the right to oppress you because you've oppressed women. Now, I found this really interesting because this happens quite a lot in our society where the pendulum swings from side to side. So we've seen supposedly where women were oppressed. And then now, based on that, that men are being oppressed by women. And so this is just the counterbalancing that happens in our society that's stupid. All of a sudden, men will stand up for themselves. Then the pendulum will swing the other way. Then they'll repress women. This happens in races as well, where certain races get oppressed and then they go and then they oppress another race because of that. This is just silliness that society engages in. But people will back that up with a justification and they'll say, yeah, but you did it in the past. Like I know that there is some stuff in this country here in Australia where certain groups of individuals will say, well, you did this in the past. Well, I personally didn't do any shit like that in the past, but it's just that past things happen to certain cultures or certain ethnic groups. And that had nothing to do with me. But now certain generations get attacked for things that happened 100, 200, 300, 400, 1,000 years ago. So these things are just justifications that people use to try to get what they want and manipulate people. And I've said this before in other podcasts where guilt and shame are the fastest way to manipulate people to get what you want. So there are a whole bunch of organizations and groups out there that use guilt as a strategy and as a tactic to make people feel like shit so they can manipulate them to get what they want. Now, I guess you could say governments also do it in certain ways. They might not realize that they're doing it, but they do. So the best thing that you can do is not feel guilty about shit within your own life because then you're hard to be manipulated. So like, I know that there have been plenty of people who over the years have said things like, you're sexist. And I go, okay, fair enough. And then I just let it go because... Yeah, I probably am. There are probably times where I do judge sex, 
because I think that there are certain things that men are better at than women and women are better at than men in certain occasions. Now, they have to be very specific. I'm not saying that one sex is better than the other. It's just that there are certain things based on hormones, based on biological structures and so on that tend to suit either men or women. But there are women out there who can do things that majority of men can't do and so on. So there's always exceptions to the rules and things like that. But these things get blown out of proportion in our society. But you'll see that there are a lot of people out there who justify oppression or who use oppression on the justification of past oppression. And I don't think that that's a great idea. All it does is it just creates subgroups of people that are fucked off that are going to become angry and then are going to attack a whole bunch of other people. So it's not a great way of doing things, but I saw this with Andrew Tate as well, where certain groups were trying to oppress him because he was a male and attacking him and saying, well, it's because you're a white male, blah, 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 which is interesting because his dad was actually black. I don't think that oppression is a good idea of any group because eventually any group that is disempowered will become empowered because they'll get angry and they'll start raging. Patterns in society are just cyclical, yet most people do not study the past, so they repeat it. Like if we look at sexism right now, there is a big push on that women have been held back. So now women are more entitled to certain roles or certain things in business. They get, I guess, other opportunities that men don't get now. So essentially we're using anti-sexism to stop sexism, which I think is crazy. But most people haven't studied the past to see how these things happen and how they build up over time and why they happen. Because it happened in the past doesn't mean that it should happen again in the future. But because people don't understand the past, they're bound to repeat it in their future. And so I saw this happening quite a lot with the Andrew Tate stuff. I find it quite fascinating, quite interesting. I mean, personally, I don't have to deal with a lot of sexism or anything like that. I'm sure there are people who are listening to this who are both males or females or whatever gender you are who have experienced this. And I think that it's always happened. It probably always will happen in some way, shape or form. I'm assuming that there are people out there who have experienced racism who listen to this podcast as well. Now, I don't think racism is going to go away, but I think that you're always going to have a group of ignorant people that are dipshits that are going to judge people in a way which they believe that certain people are less than other individuals because of their race or because of their gender or whatever. My suggestion is avoid those people because they're idiots, right? That's just how it is. And there are always going to be idiots in our society. The word id means lower-minded or small-minded. And that's what creates the word idiot. So there are plenty of idiots in our society. In fact, there are more unintelligent people than there are highly intelligent people. It's just the way that the world is structured, I guess you could say. The best thing that you can do is set yourself up for certain situations to make sure that you thrive in certain environments. I'm not going to go into that too deep, but this is also what I learned from Andrew Tate. Most people would rather worry about arguing for a belief or an ideology than a logical outcome. I've spoken about this in other podcasts as well, where... I talk about starting with the outcome in mind. If you understand an outcome, it's easy to navigate conversations, it's easy to navigate situations. But when you don't, you can get caught in the emotional feelings of something and your own biases. And then all of a sudden you might be in an argument or you might be spending your day attacking something that doesn't even matter because you don't even really give a shit about it. And I guess we've all probably been in arguments, I know I sure have, where I get in arguments and I'm emotional about it. And then after a while, I'm like, why the fuck are we arguing about this? It actually doesn't even matter. And we forgot about the outcome. And so this was from watching Andrew Tate stuff as well, is that most people would rather worry about arguing for a belief and an ideology than a logical outcome. If you get two groups together and they can communicate logically, they can find common ground. But when they're both emotional and they're bringing up the past and they're bringing up all the shit that happened and blah, 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 all they're going to do is just keep re-triggering the same argument over and over and over again. And they're going to keep getting involved in that same argument. And it's not going to change anything. Like, 
if you say to someone who, let's say that they're racist and they don't like a certain race, just saying to them, you're racist, they're not going to sit there and go, oh, fuck, you're right. I should change. They're just going to completely dismiss the fact that they're racist because that's just how they are. That's how they're wired. They're idiots. They're of a lower mind, a small mind. They're not going to think through it effectively. Also, they're using their emotions to navigate the conversation. And so then that person who feels attacked is going to attack the other person. It's going to keep going back and forward. So these things are silly, but a lot of people get caught up in them. I've definitely been caught up in them in the past where I've been an idiot, but it's just not a good idea. It's better off to start with an outcome in mind and then start the conversation and have a conversation and understand the other person's point of view and why they feel the way they feel, help them to feel understood, and then slowly work them out of their beliefs towards a more balanced outcome. There are two more that I've got here. I've got tyranny is often justified by the past and an ideology. Tyrannical movements are normally pushed because of past justifications. And they'll say, well, you know what? You did this in the past. Therefore, that's why we're doing it now. So we're oppressing you now because men did this in the past. Or we're oppressing you now because women acted like this in the past. That is not a good idea. Whether it's race, whether it's sex, whatever it is, it's not a good idea. It's going to end in a lot of problems. And all it does is it just creates another group of people that feel suppressed that are essentially going to react. The last one is no one will know the true you unless they spend adequate time with you over an extended period of time. So there were a lot of people online who were for Andrew Tate, a lot of people who were against Andrew Tate, but no one really knows a true Andrew Tate unless they've spent plenty of time with him enough to make a judgment or a decision around that person. Even if someone spent a day with him, that day could be a good day, it could be a shitty day for that person. I know I have good days, bad days. I have days where I'm more emotional, days where I'm tired, days where I'm not tired. All of that shit, like I'm a person, I'm a human. So it's hard to even spend two minutes with someone and make a judgment on that person. I've heard of certain people before where they get accused of being a certain way because of a reaction that they had to something that was going on in a moment because of the day that they were having. And I remember Ellen DeGeneres had this happen where she'd gone out for breakfast or something and something had happened where she was going through a heap of shit in her life and with her businesses and so on. And she went out for breakfast and people kept coming up and asking for her autograph and photos and so on. And then apparently she snapped and got a bit reactive. And then so all these tabloids picked up on it and said, you know, she's an asshole of a person. She doesn't give a shit about people. She treats people like shit. But essentially that was a moment in time. It wasn't who she is as a person. It was a moment in time that people have grabbed. So we just got to be careful with that stuff if we want to navigate life more effectively and see people as they are. Now, I know I definitely react like that sometimes as well. Sometimes I'll be at events when I'm on national tour and I've spent fucking four days or five days or six days speaking back to back to back and spending every waking moment from 6 a.m. in the morning, I walk into the gym and someone knows me there and they want to talk to me. Then I go and I go have breakfast and then two people come and sit with me and go, can I join you? And I don't really want to say no. So then I eat breakfast with them. Then I go and I spend a whole day teaching an event. Then I end up going out for dinner with the community afterwards. And after a while, you just get worn out. And then all of a sudden, you know, a week in or 10 days in or something, you're just fucking fried and you want to be left alone. And then there's still people who come up and want to talk to you or they get pissed off. Like I've had people react to me and they say, we well, haven't got back to me in a couple of days based on a text message or something like that. And it's because I've been on national tour. And then they say, well, you're a prick. You don't get back to people. You don't give a shit about people. And it's not that. It's just the circumstance that I'm in. So anyway, no one will know the real you unless they spend adequate time with you. So these are the key things that I learned from watching 100 hours of Andrew Tate's content. It really made me think differently about the way that I navigate life and in the way that I do things. I hope some of these learnings have been a great learning for you as well and maybe help you to reflect on some of these things. 
I don't know whether I like Andrew Tate or I don't like Andrew Tate. I think he's just a human trying to achieve what he wants to achieve in life in some way, shape or form. I think he has some things that he says that are highly intelligent and some things that are very provocative for whatever reason. I think there are times where he lets things slip out of his mouth and then there are other times where he tends to be very thoughtful in his communication. So overall, I don't really have a bias about him. I think he's just doing what he's doing and he has a cause and he has a mission and whatever happens is whatever happens. You know, I guess in a way he's going to learn the lessons that he needs to learn to be able to navigate life and become a better person in some way, shape or form. That's all I have to say about that anyway. So anyway, I would love to hear from you as well. Like, please shoot me a message on any of my socials and let me know what do you think about Andrew Tate? Like, what are some of the things that you've learned from him, whether they be good or not so good? Or what are your opinions about him as well? Some people love him, some people hate him, and some people don't really care. Personally, as I said, I don't really love him. I don't really hate him. I think he says some intelligent things, and I think he says some unintelligent things. I think he's just a human trying to navigate life in some way, shape, or form. And I think he has a mission and a cause that he's trying to get out there. And I think his intentions may be good. I think maybe sometimes though, the way that he, I guess, achieves those intentions may be questionable, but I don't know what it would be like to be in his situation as well, where he is one of the most famous figures on earth for a short period of time. And all of his social media blows up and people watching everything that he does and every word that he says. I couldn't imagine what that's like. I guess I could, but I've never experienced it. So I don't know how I would react and how I would respond as well. So anyway, that's my 100 hours of watching Andrew Tate. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay driven, driven mofos, and I hope you took something away from that. Anyway, take care. Have a great day.